to Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Uh, hey, Black Light. Thank you for another episode for tuning in. I have a special guest. I have Altamont Wicks with me. He is actually in Maryland and he would like to share his story and his progress and what he's been through and what he's doing now to change his community. Yes. Hello. My name is Altamont Mark Wilkes and I am candidate for the congressional seat for the 6th District of Maryland. And I like to say that one, I am honored to be on this platform where I can really reach people that need to be reached. Yeah, I, we we definitely need it. We need more of our color to, uh, you know, be on to to help us get to where we need to be because we're still a long way away. So tell us a little bit about your experience. I'm very transparent about who I was because it made me the person I am today. I was incarcerated for really 20 years of my life. And even before incarceration, I was just as impacted in such a way that Incarceration for me was something that shamefully was looked forward to because of the background that I came from. You know, I make no apologies for what I'm about to say. If our elected officials were more responsible, individuals like myself would have never turned to drug dealing or any kind of crimes because my entrepreneurial spirit could have been cultivated in such a way that it would have uplifted not only myself, but my entire community. And this is why I am campaigning not only to be the first black congressional person for this seat in this district, I've only returned to society five years ago with a plan and a purpose to not only create economic opportunities for individuals that are returning home, but also to create economic opportunities for those that are here and staying home. That is the key to keep us at home. And I just want to piggyback off of what you said about, you know, having to turn to selling drugs. When a lot of people don't know that drugs were bought into the black community in the eighties by Ronald Reagan so that he could fund you know, something that had nothing to do with the American people. And that trend has continued on. I'm not going to say all politicians, but they all do things that the Americans have no clue about. And it doesn't help us. It helps them and, you know, whatever their agenda is. And so, you know, just like now the fentanyl, like how is fentanyl out on the street when fentanyl is used, you know, as an anesthetic to put you to sleep when you have surgery, but now it's just all over our streets you know, you had the methadone clinics that was, you know, on every corner. And so, you know, just getting people to really step back and view a bigger picture of what's going on. You know, you got guns, you're try- trying to figure out how the guns are on the streets and the kids are picking them up. And well, and Sierra, so just- not, not to interrupt you, but let me let me let me speak on that for a second, Go ahead, because you've hit on something that is not only important, 
This has been the top issues for decades, and we have not come up with a solution for them yet. Why? Because the people that experience the problems more than anything do not have a voice in Congress. And that's why I'm going to Congress to work for my constituents and the American people, as I have displayed already. Now, I'll touch on what you were saying. And these are not conspiracies. These are facts that have been proven in congressional and Senate hearings that crack cocaine was engineered against black and brown. It became an epidemic when it spilled over into the rural communities. It's the same thing like the opioid crisis. The opioid crisis is not about people of color. It's not because we did not see the same type of sympathy when our communities were under the thumb of an epidemic crack cocaine. We did not see the, the love and support and the wanting to treat people. We got treated very badly and by the president that is the current president. Yeah. And I am I am a Democrat. I'm, I tell everybody I'm not your daddy's Democrat. If you want somebody that's going to be a flag bearer, go get a flag bearer. All right. If you want somebody that's going to lie to you to your face, keep listening to the people that you've been talking to. I am truthful because the truth not only will set us free, it's going to cure the ills of society. And that truth is this. While the government was locking up individuals like myself and they labeled me a drug dealer, the real drug dealer, big pharma lobbied for tougher drug laws, tougher gun laws to get rid of their competition. Now you see that once they got rid of their competition during the 2000s is when you start to see this opioid crisis start to expand. And it only became a crisis when Rush Limbaugh became an addict, when Joe Biden's son Okay, became an addict. It, it only becomes a crisis when they feel it. No, it was always a crisis because I can tell you as somebody that has not only lived on what I would say every spectrum of the American nightmare, I can tell you that there's a positive and optimistic solution to all of these things. And that is accountability and holding those who are accountable, the liars and the hypocrites, while we have people vilifying the homies in the hood for repping their red and blue. These individuals and these groups are in the House of Representatives in the in all three branches of government banging. They're acting like gangsters, red versus blue. And you know what? It is time for a voice of the people, a valued voice who is not going to stand for it to go into the House of Representatives and represent the people over profiteering and over all things negative. It's crazy now. It is. The criminal justice system is so insidious now that it has infected the highest office in the land. When Joe Biden's son is facing the same charges that I faced, something's wrong here. He's facing drug and gun charges, but he's treated a little differently than I was or millions of individuals that look like me did not have the chance to walk into a courtroom 
and walk out because you might not know this, but if you get a charge, especially federal, with a firearm and with cocaine, you go straight to jail. And it's the same to be held for Donald Trump. Exactly. This, exactly. this individual is, 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 has the ability and liberty to go across the country while facing 91 felony charges, six indictments, I believe. When I got indicted for racketeering, I went straight to jail. I didn't pass go. I wasn't allowed to go around the board three times. Right. You know, and when I when I speak out against these things and I'm not speaking bad about the, the president and, you know, my party might get on this. But you know what? Go to hell. You're a hypocrite. If you're a hypocrite, go to hell, because that's where hypocrites go. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. If my own party does not want to hear the truth on how the omnibus crime bill that was signed by Joe Biden led to mass incarceration that destroyed communities. If they don't want to hear the truth that our party needs a a reckoning, it needs awakening. Now, I know firsthand nobody's perfect. President Joe Biden made that decision decades ago, and I'm pretty sure he has seen what has happened when they had good intentions for the American people with the omnibus crime bill. And let me tell you, it was much needed back then, but nobody ever thought out the antecedent consequences that families in our neighborhoods would be broken up, that children would grow up listening to music and watching videos and watching movies that actually perpetuate and actually foster for them to become the actual antithesis of what they should be, which is productive people. Mm-hmm. When we have TV shows written that are not only written for the sole purpose, sole purpose of destroying the minds of fertile, fertile, productive children, we have a problem. And nobody's addressing this problem. They only address it when the consequences of the content that they put out hurts them. Hurts them. Yeah, not that so different. The height. That's right. That is the height of hypocrisy. I agree. And, you know, I, I, well, and the fact that even though he did do that 94 crime bill, the fact that when they went back to ask him when he became president, you know, what was his thoughts on that bill today? And he still said he didn't see anything wrong with it. And the only thing that I can think the reason why he don't see anything wrong with it is because prison industrial complex, just like the medical industrial complex, makes millions, billions of dollars, excuse me, billions of dollars to get free labor. And that is all America has known since 400, 500 years ago is to make money and make the economy boom off of enslaved bodies, not making sure that everybody's putting in the community in a, in a whole wholesome way, but that you are getting free labor to make your economy boom. And then you're also slaving the families on top of the people that's incarcerated. So you're just rolling in all this money, you know, back to back to back. You have all these corporations that are using prison labor, you know, for their businesses. And so it's for the elite. It's not America has never been all for the people. It's only been about certain people in certain economic categories, and that's the way that they want to keep it. And so, you know, 
My thing with politics is, you know, we do have people of color in there, but a lot of times they get sucked into the corruption that's going on because, you know, they'll come to them with briberies and say, hey, well, you know, we'll we'll help your family get A, B and C if you go along with this. And a lot of them just get sucked in there. And so it's hard for people to really even trust what's, you know, when somebody's coming to, you know, candidate and, and you know, say what they feel and say what they're going to work on. And then as soon as they get in there, it's like, you know, you said you're going to work on A, B, C and D. And now we don't even see you. And the fact that we see so many people of our color, you know, get in the office or Mark Robertson, for instance, in North Carolina, he's trying to run for governor mm-hmm. and he's going the way of let me support Trump, you know, let me carry on his rhetoric so I can get this vote so I can get in to take care of his family. He's not going to take care of anybody in the black community. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to take care of the the poor population, you know, the ones that are addicted. He's probably going to make mass incarceration worse in North Carolina than what it is now. And so what, what would you do differently? Like if they came to you and, you know, you get in as congressional seat and they come to you and they say, well, we want you to go along with A, B, C, and D. How are you going to combat not getting sucked in by that corruption? I'll say this. And I don't want to say it in a way I am trying to really avoid any negative connotations, not only with my life, but with this campaign. But I will say this. You will know the person that comes to me to try to corrupt me away from doing my life's task, which is uplifting fallen humanity. You will know this person and you will know that the answer they got from me is a negative one because all you have to do is look at their face and the handprint that will be on their face and asking me to turn against my own people. I served two decades of my life in prison. That either means that I'm not a rat or I did something so heinous that they gave me all that time. I didn't do anything heinous. My crimes were economic crime. I grew up in the hood and had no other opportunities presented to me except those opportunities. Now, with that being said, During incarceration, I took responsibility and accountability for my own actions and my own choices. And in doing so, it awakened me not only to become the person that I am today, but it awakened me to the ills of humanity. And it didn't take the pain of racism. It didn't take the pain of even being in prison. It took the letters of my mother, the prayers that my mom would write on paper and send to me because she knew I didn't have a Bible in there because I was somewhere that I had allowed myself to be sucked into a a sensory deprivation facility where we couldn't even get books except the books they gave us, which were torn apart. So my mom would write down these Bible verses from Psalms and Proverbs and send it to me. And I still have them to this day. It is these things that build up a person through introspection. Mm -hmm. Do you know penitentiaries are set up to be synonymous to monasteries that monks pray in their cells and they call their Bones, they don't call them bedrooms, they call them cells in the monast- 
in the monastery. And it's a penance. And that's what the penitentiary was supposed to be. The, that a person can go in and leave a different person. These penitentiaries can serve as not only crucibles for sharp men and women to come home. It already has. But what we see and what we hear is that majority that is recidivist, that majority that refuses to conform to the fact of you can't keep doing this, dude. Or those individuals who don't want to wake up to the reality that using or selling drugs is not only detrimental to yourself, it's detrimental to your family and everyone around you. If they don't want to listen, let's make them an offer they can't refuse because we are tired of it. It's the same thing with politicians. If we know they're, you see what's going on now with Cat Williams, Monique, and these prominent people calling out people in their own industries and opening votes of information that people always had an idea that the people they're talking about isn't so right, but you never really knew. But when you hear from, I would buy cereal from Monique. Because I know Monique loves cereal. So I'll take her word for cereal. I don't know Monique as a person. But I will say this. The things she is saying kind of matches up with what we already was hearing. It's the same thing with these politicians. If we hear a politician is corrupt, if you hear it from enough people, he's corrupt. Guess what? Remove him. That's what's supposed to happen. Well, it's not happening because people are not educated to the point of pooling resources or coming together in such a way that they can really offset a candidate who is not going to have their best interest. That's why my entire platform is built upon one slogan. Wilkes works for you, not them. And I know I'm going to catch heat. Guess what? It's a cold world. Bring the heat. I know people are going to say, you sound like a conservative. I am conservative because when you conserve, you save. All right. I'm also democratic. Why, I, why can't I just be a man who wants to uplift his community and uplift his people and uplift this country? Because you can't make America great again without all Americans involved. All right. So we need to stop this gang shit. Pardon my language, because that's how they act. If you see these characters in Congress now, like Bo Beard, she shouldn't even be a congressperson. They, they got these little Sarah Palin's in Congress now. Marjorie Green, you, you we, we can go on and on. But look what the Democrats are doing. They're doing the same thing by propping up and putting our black women prosecutors on the line to face these what they call racist white men if you look across the country most of the prosecutions that are taking place are being taken place with black women prosecutors in order to prop up Kamala Harris this is not no bullshit and what they're doing is not only shameful people see it for what it is they need to stop people ain't but we're not stupid we see it for what it is. You're, you're propping all these people up. I could be a part of your party 
and not have to dance to all the music. Mm -hmm. What America is. Things have gotten so extreme that a candidate like myself is not only a necessary, it is a must right now because we can't afford one more year of this nonsense. Nothing is getting done. And while we keep asking for things, you keep sending money to people in, in countries that call us nigger. I, I don't understand that. And knowing how our economy is already built, the dollar is losing, you know, I mean, we basically our money ain't going to be worth nothing here soon. And then you got all no. these homeless people. Never, 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 never. This country will always be an economic power for the mere fact of the Second Amendment. And I'll explain it. No country on this planet has an army that is willing to go against the military, the police, National Guard, and every homie with a gun. Not to mention the hunters and the weekend people that got guns. And grandma. The, the Second Amendment has kept this country uninvadable. And in doing so, because this country cannot be invaded, Except through the border, the the an armed invasion of this country, an armed invasion of this country is not feasible. Why? Because there's guns everywhere. You don't know who's going to have one as an as an enemy trying to invade. The government keeps a record and a public record of how many tanks, planes. R-15s and everything that the military has. They don't have a record of how many homies in the hood got a block. Or they have a record of how many people have guns legally, but you will not invade a country where even the criminals have military weapons. Yeah. And that in itself has kept this country not only uninvadable, it has kept consumer confidence up. Because if I was a third world country government that needed a safe place to put my money, I'm putting it where nobody can steal it. And if you notice right now, all over the world, bigger countries are invading smaller countries. So we have to keep in mind, and even on that note, dealing with the Second Amendment, that makes this country not only a powerful country, an uninvadable country. You would think the NRA would have come to the hood to educate young black males and just the entire community. But I'm going to speak on young black males because by and large, they are the number one demographic that gets arrested for illegal gun possession. Usually it's after the age of 18. Let me tell you something. If the NRA was smart, they would be courting these individuals and these groups and these cities that lets me know that they are a, either a racist organization or they're a not informed organization because you discount an entire demographic that seems to love guns. Not only do they love guns, they make music about the guns. They make videos about the guns. The only race holds the gun in the same aspect as they hold their cross on their little chain. It's A and B. You discounted the whole demographic that could have been legal gun owners, informed gun owners. Why not come to our neighborhood and teach us about gun safety like you do in the rural 
neighborhoods like you do in these high schools, in your rural communities. You can have somebody, they don't have to be African-American, they don't have to be Hispanic. They just have to have a human heart to say, I see what's going on and it's only going on because of the ignorance of these people not being informed about their Second Amendment rights. I told the constituent the other day, he was a Caucasian. I said to him, and he asked me about my stance on gun yeah. control. I said, I have no stance. My criminal record is replete with gun possession. I believe in being armed because the founding fathers said so. However, you were born with gun rights. In the African-American and Latino community, you have to earn them. Mm -hmm. Not only earn them, sometimes you have to sell out your own people to get them. To get them. Mm -hmm. And, and you, be, you won't, and be, get, away you won't be getting quick. them in the neighborhood you live in. You got yeah. the move to get them. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times you're they're taken away very quick because you go to jail, you go to prison, and it's a felony. So it's gone right then and there in a snap. Or, or you get involved in something that is culturally us. And no matter what it is, because there's some things that we do culturally that is that are frowned upon, you know, and it's a shame. But at the end of the day, we can't point the finger at the crackers or the white man or the, all the other stupid labels that are put upon our fellow human beings. OK, just because somebody calls me a nigger. I'm not going to call them a cracker or I'm not going to call them out of their name because I know I'm not a nigger. That's one. Even if I told them the origin of the word nigger was because a white porter couldn't pronounce Niger correctly. Right. Exactly. He was only educated enough to know that N-I-G-E-R, that G goes good. So Nigerians became niggers. While they entered the port. I am not playing that game. I am going to the House of Representatives to be a valued voice of my constituents and the people of this country. I've already demonstrated as a private citizen who've only been home five years. I have demonstrated that I am a champion for advocacy, for social justice. I am not only about small business, I'm about all business, especially when it comes to my people. I am about secure borders because it only makes sense. We can't keep letting these strangers into our house. If you feel that, if you feel that strong about immigration, let them into your house. Let me tell you something. I had a cousin I let into my house. A lot of people been there. He was claiming that couch when once me and my lady used to sit on that couch, we had a little routine, broke that routine. Oh, I used to drink my orange juice was that little bit of orange juice left. I know I can count on it like three o'clock in the morning on my way to the bathroom or something, you know, look, orange juice gone. gone. And that's yeah. what's happening right now. We have to have a responsible responsible system that not only addresses criminal justice reform, it addresses immigration reform, infrastructure reform, 
And now what's the, what's the equalizing word here is reform. To reform means to, to bring back together. You can't bring back together if we're all separated. Separate. So there's never going to be a reform as long as we keep saying, I hate you, blue, and I, red is dead. You know, we can't keep doing that, especially when we have the most antagonizing person who has ever run for any office as the front runner calling shots. And he's been accused and found guilty of rape and a bunch of other heinous charges. I tell anybody that's a Republican, if he can't take your daughter to the prom as a chaperone, you can't bring him home. If, if drunk Uncle Trump, Trump can't, if you won't invite him to your barbecue, and allow him to spend time talking to your women folk in your family by himself, he shouldn't earn your vote. I don't care what you say. Nobody in their right mind would leave that man alone with any woman or man for that matter. Because he's vicious. Very. That's why I personally call the GOP the gangsters of politics. I mean, that's that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the 14th Amendment says that no president, former or current, can incite an insurrection and they're leaning towards letting him be on all the ballots like that wouldn't happen with any other president. I mean, look, Clinton got impeached for having sex. You know what I'm saying? And, and, he, so and rightly so. Rightly so. Imagine ask Hillary what she thinks about it. Right. Right is right. When you get into this place, see, I can speak because I was one of the worst. I was one of the worst. I had a life expectancy of a milk carton. And it was through incarceration that I had introspection. Now, you know what I say? It should be mandatory for a politician to do at least one year in prison before they can run for office. Then they'll get to see the consequences of the decisions that they make because Congress enacts law. They draft law and bring law, which is supposed to be the voice of the people, the wants and cares of the people. They bring that to the table and then the executive branch signs it. The judicial branch interprets it if it comes into question. Now we have three branches of government that the founding fathers, the way this was set up, was that these three branches of government were supposed to be checks and balances against each other so that no one branch can become dominant. Dominant. Mm -hmm. Now we have an entire half of the House taking marching orders from a former president who is now a private citizen. One. They wouldn't be able to even do that under law if he was the president because the executive branch does not oversee Congress. Congress was intended to be an oversight of the executive branch. Read the charter. Congress shall not enact any law. That's the first words of the First Amendment. It is. Congress does not govern. That's why even with the candidates that are on, that will be on the podium with me, I'm letting it be known 
that I'm going to do a job for the American people and my constituents. Wilkes works. I've proven Wilkes works. We have made economic opportunities a reality for 80 million people through the lawsuits that we did at the SBA and the USDA. Now, every person that has ever been incarcerated and those soon to be released can open up a, a convenience store or a grocery store or a fruit stand in their own neighborhood instead of somebody from a foreign country coming to their neighborhood. And I have nothing wrong with immigrants coming to this country and living the American dream and opening up a business. Let the indigenous entrepreneurs get a chance. We owe it to them. There's people that are already here, born here, from here, that need these opportunities. But they lack it because of lack of financial literacy, lack of support from municipalities, and an overbearing, bougie, black business community who looks down upon burgeoning entrepreneurs who didn't go to college. I didn't go to college, but I'm one of the most successful Black businessmen in my area, I went to prison and I have done more in less than five years than most people have been home all their life. All right. But you know what? I didn't do it by myself. I did it with the help of my community. I did it with the help of correctional officers that allowed me to do one thing. Can I just go over there and grab this book from him? Yeah, go right ahead. Just the simple act of go right ahead allowed me to get a book that in macroeconomics during lockdown, I was able to get a book on macroeconomics. And during our entire lockdown, I mastered that book. I said, you know what? I can't wait to go home and apply this knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge is key. And that's, yeah. And that's the name of my program, by the way. Knowledge empowers you. My nonprofit program, Key, was intended to not only be a workforce and entrepreneurial development program, I became the first participant. So what I've been doing for the past five years has been with the sole purpose of becoming a template, a business model, a guidepost for those returning citizens and for those who are already home, because it's important for us to have somebody to look at instead of looking at Scarface mm -hmm. or Nino Brown or any of the other iconic characters that I, when I was in my early stages of entrepreneurship and going out into the world, these were the only businessmen that I saw. I didn't see Bill Gates because he, let's be for real. He's not, I didn't see a Jeff Bezos. I didn't see an Elon Musk in my neighborhood. I saw Raheem down the block and Supreme, right. you know, and this is the same thing kids are going through today. Their reality stops at their phone. Yes. Yes. If you want to hear the rest of this interview, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show. Thanks for tuning in to this snippet from Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show. If you enjoy this segment, you're in for a treat with our full-length episodes. Don't miss out on the insightful discussion and thought-provoking content we bring your way. Subscribe, hit the like button, and click the notification bell to stay updated on all our latest releases. For more in-depth conversation on pressing issues, join us on the Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show, hosted by me, one and only, Sierra Cobb, 
Your support means the world to us, and we look forward to having you as a part of our community. Until the next time, stay informed, stay engaged, and remember your voice matters. See you on the next episode.